Well, hey guys, Tim here. Thanks so much for joining us for our Life Community Church podcast. This is a very unique weekend because along with many other churches around the nation due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, we are meeting online only. And so this weekend, actually, we posted our very first online video service with acoustic worship, the message, and uh, just a connection point there for you. So you can go to our website, lifegj.org, and check that out. Also, uh, we plan to do online services for the next two weeks and regather March 28, 29. But as I'm sure you are aware, uh, please stay updated via our channels, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, lifegj.org, so that uh, we can keep you up to date on those plans as things progress. So I hope you're doing good. I hope that you are experiencing God's peace in the middle of this and that you are reaching out to those around you, loving your neighbor, loving those who are vulnerable around you, helping out and being the church to your community, being the church to your circle of responsibility. And so while you do that, I hope you're blessed by this message from one of our pastors, Jason Marsh. God bless, and we'll look forward to connecting again in person soon. Hey guys, I'm so glad um, that we're having the opportunity to do this. I'm, I'm so thankful that we live in a time when uh, we can get together and study God's word, even though we're in all these different places. And so I know it's a little bit different today. Um, would you stick with me for the next few minutes while we really get to the heart of what God would have us learn today as we study a little bit further in the book of Exodus in our series, Out of Darkness. I want to start by asking you guys just kind of a, a simple question. Have you ever had something in your life or a season in your life not turn out the way that it was supposed to? I mean, I think that that's kind of a a normal thing for us, right? That most of us would say, I've had times in my life that were supposed to go this way and they ended up going that way. I'm going to start by telling you my story around this. I am... I felt called to to be a pastor when I was on a mission trip. I was in Africa. Um, It was way back, 10, 15 years ago. And uh, I I had a chance to preach a couple times while I was there. And there were some people that were there that spoke into my life and said, hey, I don't know if you've ever felt called into ministry, but if you have, we want to confirm that in you. And man, that that hit me. Um, I was so sure in that moment that God was saying, I want you to be a pastor. And so I packed up my family, my little kids and my wife, and we moved across the country and we went to Bible college. Now, when I was at Bible college, I was in my zone. I loved it there. I, was, I felt like I was, I was firing on all cylinders because I got to have all these conversations about the Lord and I got to learn and I was top of my class most of the time and I had an influence in a lot of my friends' lives and I felt like I was making a difference. And at that point, I kind of expected that um, since I was doing the thing that God had asked me to do and that it was going so well, it wasn't going to be very long before I was the pastor of a church. I expected that God was going to use my obedience and, and take my family into ministry and that we were going to get to, to do the thing that I had imagined back whenever I was called in Africa. And see, the weird thing is, as I got closer and closer to graduating, I kept expecting God to show us what we were going to do next. And yet I wasn't getting anything. And so we, we tried to buy a house there in the, the town that we were living in, and, and that fell through. Um, my job was coming to an end, and, and I graduated, and there was literally no direction from God. I didn't know what we were going to do. 
And so we decided to move back home, not really hearing from God on what was next. And so we got plugged back into the little church that we had left um, when we originally felt called. And, and we started serving in, in that church. Um, but I also had to get a part-time job and it was really not a fulfilling thing. It was just kind of a placeholder in my life. And, and while we were serving in this church, I, again, I kind of felt like maybe this is what God wanted and things were, were going okay. And then we crashed and burned in that ministry. Some incredibly hurtful and hard things were said to my wife and I. And, and I mean, we really felt like that, that season was abruptly over and that it was taken from us. And, you know, in that moment, I felt like, God, I've done all this stuff. I was obedient to what you called me to do. Where are you? Why aren't you doing your part in this, right? Like I, you, you told me I should be a pastor. And so I've done all of the steps. And then now I, I have to look for a job and uh, I can't even serve in this church anymore because we're not, we're not connected there anymore. And we were without a church, without a job, without direction, aimless. And you know, a lot of times I think that that's how our, our life ends up. And it's because we have expectations of how things are supposed to work out. And they come smack into the reality of life. And sometimes the reality is harsh, isn't it? Sometimes our expectations, and, they, and when they run into that harsh reality, we, we end up um, disillusioned and bitter. And we feel stuck in life. And everything just sort of stops for a few moments. And see, I imagine that our walk, our, our faith is really a, a walk with God. And the way that I imagine that, I imagine that we're actually holding hands with Jesus. And so as we experience life, we're holding hands with Jesus, walking through life. And, and he's pointing out some things and we're pointing out some goals and some vision in life. And we're, we're walking through the experiences of our life. But have you ever been on a walk with a toddler before? Have you ever, have you ever been on a walk with a little kid? What happens? You think you're going somewhere and then every little thing is interesting to them, right? And they will, they will stop and just focus on a rock, right? And then, and then pretty soon they've decided that this walk is all about picking up these precious, precious gems that they've discovered and your pocket is suddenly full of gravel, right? And, or, or they see a, a frog or a squirrel and it's like, this is a, now a wildlife adventure. And so they, they try to run away and chase after some other things. And in our walk with Jesus, I feel like we're holding his hand, but at some point, just like those little toddlers, we get distracted. And so we bend down and we pick up something. We pick up an expectation for how this walk is supposed to go. We, we pick up an expectation like I did that like, okay, I'm going to put in all of this effort and then you're going to make me a pastor in X amount of time, right? Or we pick up an expectation that like, I've, I've, I've done the dating thing the way that you wanted me to do it. Now you're going to bring me the best husband ever, right? Or whatever it is, we pick up an expectation and then the reality hits us. And just like a bully would come and smack that thing out of your toddler's hand, that expectation gets dropped, and the problem is, in that moment, when our expectation has met reality and it comes crashing down and it's in pieces, what we want is for God to come back to that mess with us and fix it and deal with it. And in that moment with, with my story, I remember thinking, God, 
you need to do something in this moment. You're supposed to be taking me to this goal, right? And so fix this mess. And the reality is that I think sometimes God just wants to keep taking you down the path. And this expectation that got dropped takes so much of our attention that at some point there is tension here. And we say, no, look at this. And he says, let's, let's keep walking. No, look, this is a mess in my life, God. You need to help me and deliver me from this mess. And so he, he says, no, I want to keep walking. And then we, we yank our hand back and we say, would you just pay attention to my problem? Have you ever been there where you're just so frustrated and bitter that you would say to God, would you just do your end of the bargain? Would you just fix my problem? Would you deliver me from it? That's where we pick up the story of Moses in Exodus. See, for the, the last month or two, um, Pastor Tim's been taking us through this series called Out of Darkness. And what he last talked to us about was the story in Exodus chapter 5. And what we found was that, that Moses had done what God asked. God said, Moses, I want you to go into Pharaoh's court. I want you to draw a line in the sand and say, let my people go. Moses did that. And then Pharaoh said, no, no, I'm not going to do I don't know your God. In fact, that's so arrogant that you would come in here and demand to be let go. I'm going to make it worse for your people. You know how they're, they're making bricks for me. Now they've got to find their own ingredients. They've got to find their own straw, but they can't make any less bricks. And so suddenly Moses finds himself in the situation where the whole nation of Israel is mad at him for the increased labor, right? And the harsh treatment. And so what we see at the end of chapter five of Exodus is Moses coming to God with one of those statements. And it goes something like this. Verse 22, Moses returned to the Lord and said, why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people. And you've not rescued your people at all. And you see, Moses is mad. He's bitter, right? Because he had picked up an expectation on this walk with God. And the expectation was that if, if I do what you tell me to do in Pharaoh's court, it's going to work. Now that that isn't what God said, is it? But that's an expectation that he picked up. And so he's bitter because that came crashing down when the reality of Pharaoh saying no changed everything. And now everything's worse. And what I think is so interesting about this is he starts off by saying why, but he immediately goes into an accusation. And this is how it looks. He says, ever since I went to Pharaoh, I did my part. You have not rescued your people. You didn't do your part. That's how it always seems to happen, isn't it? We pick up some expectation of how things are supposed to go, how our life is supposed to look. And then as we go along, we hold up our end of the deal and it comes crashing down. And it's in those moments that we are bitter with God. But you see, Moses had a question on the surface that was all about his circumstances, where he said, why are, why are you letting this happen? But there was a question under that too. See, what, what God knew and what God sees in this moment is that Moses is not just frustrated about his circumstances. Underneath that, he has a question about God's character. And he's saying, I'm, I'm not sure you're good. I mean, if, 
I'm not sure you're able. Like, if you're good and you're able, like, why didn't you do the thing, right? You didn't deliver them. Maybe you're not on my side, are you, God? And I think that often we get in that situation, too, where because of our expectation, we feel like God's not on our side anymore. And we pull our hand away from him, and we stop and we focus on our mess. And like Moses, we might complain about the circumstances, but the reality is we have a question about who God is And I love God's response to this is so important because in this, he doesn't just send a lightning bolt. He doesn't just get frustrated at Moses' accusation and he doesn't just pick another guy to do the thing. He has compassion for the situation, but he knows the truth that there's more going on here than just the circumstances. And so we pick it up in chapter six, verse one. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of this country. You know, what I love about this is that God doesn't ignore the circumstances. He acknowledges it. I think that he understands where Moses is coming from because this is hard. This really isn't the way that you would want to live your life. And I think that God understands that, that like he's in this hard spot. And so he quickly acknowledges Moses' actual question, the surface question. And he says, yeah, I understand the circumstances are bad and you're about to see what I'm going to do in those circumstances. But you see, he moves on really quickly here. God does. He addresses it for a moment, but he doesn't stay there because I don't think that God is just interested in straightening out Moses' circumstances. He says, I want to talk to you about the real problem, the one that's underneath. You have a problem with me. You're not sure about my character because of the pain that you're going through. You guys, have you ever been in a fight? Maybe uh, you're, you're standing around uh, the, the, the dishes, you guys are doing the dishes together, and, and suddenly you find yourself in a fight, and it's all about avocados, when really it's not about avocados, right? There's something underneath. There's a relational problem that is showing up on the surface as something else, and I think that God recognized that there is this thing happening here where Moses is complaining about his circumstances, but his, really, his real problem has to do with his heart. And so that's the direction that God takes his answer. And so in verse two, God said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I've heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. And what's interesting here is that while God is is interested in their circumstances because he's more interested in Moses' heart, he sees that because of the pain and the frustration, Moses is failing to see the meaning behind what he's going through. And so he questions who God is. And so God addresses that and he says, there is meaning in your story. But did you catch that it's not all about Moses? Did you catch that it's not all about the Israelites' current circumstances? He brings in this this truth that God has been writing a bigger story all along, that way back to their ancestors, God had written down a storyline and had begun working on a plot. And now they they found themselves as characters in this storyline that was gonna continue into the future too. 
And in this moment, while their circumstances were such a big deal to them, the reality is that they were part of a bigger story. And their pain and their suffering was a part of that story. And it had meaning because of that. But I don't think that's the only way that we see that there's meaning in here. I think that there's also meaning we find in that what he says they're going to get out of this deal is so much better than what they ever could have imagined. Did you see in in verse 3 where it says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. You know what I catch in there? I see that it is possible to understand God, to know a little bit about God, and to not know him personally. And so what I think has happened for a lot of us is that we've settled for a counterfeit version of the faith, where we've settled for knowing about God instead of walking with God. And it's like in this moment where we were walking with him and then our expectations come crashing to the ground and, and we're frustrated and we're bitter. And in, in, in that moment, um, we felt the pain and maybe we've gotten over something that happened in the past. And we take a step or two away from that but we never grab God's hand again. And we live in this counterfeit version of faith where we just say, you know what? I don't want the risk of running into another expectation getting dashed. I don't want to run the risk of of things not turning out the way that I want. So if I just stand here and learn about God, if I find out more about him, if I can know more about him, I'll be satisfied in my faith. And so we come to church Maybe you have a a devotional study, a Bible study group that you go to, and it's all about consuming, but you won't actually grab God's hand again and participate. And you can even know, standing here, that like I know where God is going. I can see down the path here, and he's about 17 feet up there on the left, and and he's shaking Bob's hand. Oh, look, he's going to do that thing for Bob, and I'll bet you he goes around the corner here in a few minutes. And you can know what God is doing, and you can know where God is going, and still not be walking with him in it. And I think what God says to Moses in this moment is, while there are people who know about me, what you're going to get in this, in the midst of these circumstances, is you're going to get to know me in ways that nobody ever has. You'll get to know me in ways that you would have never known me if you hadn't gone through this circumstance. And so he goes on and he describes what knowing him looks like in the next few verses. And what we're going to see in here is that he's going to list out seven different things about himself. And what's really important to catch here is that while we want to be delivered from our circumstances, God wants to deliver us through our circumstances. And he doesn't just want us to know things about him. He wants us to know him in these ways. And so what we're going to see is we're going to see that he's a a saving God, that he's a liberating God, a redeeming God. He's a God that adopts and chooses us. He's a God that reveals things to us. He's a God that gives direction and he's a God that provides. Let's look in, in chapter six, verse six. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will save you. But I don't want you to, to think about my salvation. I don't want you to acknowledge that I can save. I want you to feel it. I want you to experience my salvation. 
I will free you from being slaves to them. He's a liberating God. I will redeem you with outstretched arms. And you're not just going to have this understanding of redemption, but you are going to feel that your circumstances had a purpose because of my might, my power, and my effort buying that back for your good. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. I want to adopt you. I choose you and I want you to feel chosen. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. And he's going to reveal things and truth to us and who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. And I will give it to you as a possession. He's a God that provides direction and purpose in life. And he's a God that provides in life. What's crazy is that God allowed them to go through these circumstances so that they would know him in ways that no one had ever known him. They might have wanted to be delivered from it. And he said, no, you need to be delivered through it. Because as a result, you're going to get the most precious prize. You think you wanted this outcome. And what you needed was me. And so that is actually God's mercy to the Israelites, that he allowed them to go through this hard thing was his mercy because the result of it was going to be more of what they needed, more fulfillment in life and more joy, more purpose because they know their God, right? What if Pharaoh had said yes? What if Moses had walked into that throne room and had said, uh, I'm going to draw a line in the sand right here for Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, and you're going to let these people go. And if Pharaoh said, that's a good idea. I think you're so persuasive, Moses. Let's, let's just do that. The entire nation of Israel's history would have been built on the benevolence of a pagan king and how generous he was. Or maybe it would have been built on how persuasive and how good of a leader Moses is. And just like every other nation on earth, built on the, the power and the authority of a man. When in reality, what they got was they got a history and a story that told of how powerful and loving and able their God was. And this became a marker in the history of Israel still to this day that they can point to and say, that's our God, a God that loves us, redeems us, saves us, and chooses us. The same thing's probably true in my life too. You know that, that story I was telling you earlier about my wife and I, um, kind of ending this period of time where we felt like we had um, stuff to do for God and yet we felt left out, we felt abandoned, we felt like things were falling apart. You know what? Through that time, we learned more about our God than we ever would have without that. He sustained us. He was a God that was walking with us in the midst of our pain and would hold our hand. He was a God that heals and he's patient and in the end, he chose to redeem that situation, redeem that calling and buy it back for his good. And now we are doing the thing that he called us to do because he's good. But because of the path that we took, we got the prize of knowing him better. And so maybe you're, you're that person who um, got stuck in, in your circumstances because you had picked up an expectation and along the way you had, to, you had to let go of God's hand in order to focus on your pain and your frustration. And you have to understand that God doesn't get angry and God doesn't just wait until you get all your stuff back together. God brings meaning to your pain. He saves, he redeems. 
and he's working for your good. Or maybe you're that person that you're, you're kind of over the pain, but now you've settled for a counterfeit. And now you're just at that point where and I don't want to really risk walking with God. I'm just content to learn and know and consume. And we, we've gotten over the pain and the frustration, but we've never taken Jesus' hand and started walking again. Or maybe you're neither of those. And you feel like I'm that person that's, that I am walking with Jesus. I am holding his hand. This passage is for you too, because he keeps going. Verse nine, Moses reported this, all this stuff that God had just said. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. That makes sense, right? They were the ones that were actually making the bricks. They were the ones that were actually feeling the pain. They were still in the midst of these circumstances. And Moses goes and he says, God wants to do amazing things through this for you. And they're like, no, I don't, I don't believe you. Moses had people in his life, just like we have people in our life, whose spirits are broken. There are people around you who are brokenhearted, who are disillusioned, who are still in pain. And check out what God does in this. Verse 10, then the Lord said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go. But Moses said to the Lord, if the Israelites won't listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me since I speak with faltering lips? Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron about the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he commanded them to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. See, Moses couldn't figure out how to make an impact. Like, what difference could I make in these people's lives? And God says, I don't need you to do much. I just need you to be willing. I need you to go. I'll handle the rest. And what's interesting to me is that he spent all this time talking about what I will do. I will be their savior. I will be their redeemer. And yet at the end of this, he commands Moses to go and deliver them. And the same thing's true in your life. If you're that person that's walking hand in hand with Jesus, there are people around you that are broken and they need to know God. And he says, I'm going to do it all. Now you go do it. And he partners with us and he's calling you to make an impact in your people's lives. And so here's the truth that I want to leave you with today. There is nothing greater than to know God. This whole passage is telling us that the prize itself is not having our expectations met. The prize itself is to know God and to know him well. And so what if that thing that you're going through or that thing that you went through is actually God's mercy? What if there's meaning for your pain? Because he knows what you need more, more than having your expectations met or more than having an easy life. He says, I know what you need. You need to know me in ways that will change everything. If you let go of the bitterness and the frustration and let him into that circumstance, what would he do? How would you know him better because of it? It's worth it to let go of expectations and our bitterness and take Jesus' hand again, but realize that he's not there to deliver you from something. He's there to deliver you through something. What if you humbled yourself and said, I, I think I've settled for knowing God, but I haven't really been walking with God. That's hollow and empty, isn't it? 
because it's a placeholder to make you feel good about your faith. When the reality is we weren't called to know, we were called to walk with our God. Maybe you know all there is to know about the Bible, about the faith, about your favorite topic, but you've never actually been experiencing him or it's been a long time. It's worth it to take the risk again and to grab Jesus' hand. Or what if you were Moses to the people around you? What if you were praying for, believing for, working for their good? Knowing that for them, there is nothing greater than to know God. And since you've got such a great relationship with him, you want to bring them in and say, hey, through your pain, through your circumstance, through your brokenness, I know a God that would save, love, redeem, choose, adopt, liberate you. And I want you to experience it too. It's worth it to take that step for the broken people in your life to help them take Jesus' hand. And so as you go this week, I want you to ponder on where you're at in your walk. Are you stopped? Are you settling? Or are you walking with him? And then what are you going to do with the truth that there's nothing greater than to know God? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you've given us stories like this that we can relate to that there are people in the Bible with baggage and with frustration and that you deal with them with such grace and kindness and that we can see ourselves in them and then we can see our solution in you. I pray for every one of us that we would chase after you with abandon and that we would want to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen.